is that uh, we would uh, fall on our face and say, Lord, please help our country. Alexis de Tocqueville is famous for this particular quote, and perhaps you've heard it before. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought in her fertile fields and boundless prairies, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast commerce, and it was not there. But not until I visited the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. If America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. In 2016, just four short years ago, Donald Trump ran for president of the United States with the famous slogan, Make America Great Again. This mantra resonated with many Americans because it was obvious that we had lost our greatness and we deeply desired to regain the ground we lost in previous years. And while I love the idea of making great America great again, biblically speaking, according to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 34, we must first focus on making America good again. We must get back to doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord and focusing on righteousness once again. Why? Because the biblical order is righteousness and then exalting. Right? We want America to be exalted. We want America to be great. Well, that doesn't just happen by uh, magic. Here's the biblical formula for making America great. Verse 34, righteousness exalteth a nation. You can't have exalting without righteousness. It's impossible. Uh, and as a result, sin is a reproach to any people. Uh, we want the exalting of our nation without the righteousness, but friend, God only promises exalting and blessing for the nation that focuses first on righteousness. Now, I'm all for draining the swamp, lowering taxes, creating jobs, and protecting our borders. I'm for all of those, but we as a country must get back to doing what's right, not according to our own eyes, but according to God's Word. So this morning, on the day after our 244th birthday as a nation, which, by the way, every year at this time I am grateful uh, because I am actually a bicentennial baby. You can do the math. Uh, I was born on the, uh, the 200th birthday of our country, 1976. And so as our country is turning, or just turned two, or 244, I'm turning 44 this year. Uh, but uh, on, on the morning after this birthday, I want to speak to you about making America good again. Uh, number one, I want us to notice, first of all, the foundation of America. Uh, I believe it's a good idea for us as Americans to go back to the very beginning of, of our country and learn how we were founded and what principles we were built upon. And so I want to remind you this morning that despite what maybe you've heard, America was indeed founded on the principles of God's Word. That's, we were a Christian nation. Uh, John Adams said this, and I'm going to quote several of the founding fathers and some of the early leaders of our country. Uh, John Adams was quoted by saying, The Christian religion is 
above all the religions that ever prevailed or existed in ancient or modern times, the religion of wisdom, virtue, equity, and humanity. Uh, George Washington said this, Can it be that providence has not connected the permanent felicity or happiness of a nation with its virtue? Uh, What George Washington was saying is, look, the success and the blessing of a nation is connected to the the virtue or the righteousness of that nation. Basically, he was uh, basically uh, uh, changing verse 34 of Proverbs 14 here and uh, putting his own words to it. But righteousness exalteth a nation, and that's what George Washington was basically saying. Benjamin Franklin said this, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. And isn't he correct? Uh, If we can't live a right life on our own, well, we're going to need masters to uh, make it so. And uh, that's why government has gotten so big in our day, is because uh, we need uh, people to oversee. We need enforcement. No longer are people feeling the responsibility to live a righteous life. James Madison was quoted by saying this, to suppose that any form of government will secure liberty or happiness without any virtue in the people is, and basically this next word is, a preposterous idea. Um, You can't force virtue Uh, You can't force liberty and you can't force happiness without virtue. It's impossible. Patrick Henry, and I think the quote's going to be on the screen uh, this morning here, virtue, morality, and religion. This is the armor, my friend, and this alone that renders us invincible. Virtue, morality, and religion renders us invincible, and that's what the only thing that does. He goes on to say, these are the tactics we should study. Unfortunately, we've lost that in our public schools. We don't study these things, virtue, morality, and religion. If these are the tactics we should study, if we lose these, we are conquered, fallen indeed. So long as our manners and principles remain sound, there is no danger. Patrick Henry was a very wise man to say that. We have seen the fact that Since we haven't studied these in recent days, we're beginning to be conquered. We're beginning to fall. And uh, I know that yesterday was a day of celebration. I get that. Well, today is a day of reality. Uh, We're going to kind of find out where we're at a little bit. Think about this. In 1782, Congress approved the use of Bibles in schools and even paid for these Bibles with tax dollars. In 1844, when someone sued to remove the Bible, here's what the Supreme Court ruled. They said, why should not the Bible be read and taught as the divine revelation in the school? Where can the purest principles of morality be learned so clearly and perfectly as from the New Testament? That was our Supreme Court in 1844. We're going to talk a little bit about the Supreme Court in just a couple minutes, but uh, our so-called conservative Supreme Court has been disappointing in recent days. And uh, now Bibles are not in school. 
I went to public school in Southern California, and I carried my Bible once in a while, but it was not something that was ever taught in any of my classes. We have kicked God out of the schools, and as a result, we kind of see what's, we see the results of that on the news every night. Andrew Jackson said, no free government can stand without virtue in the people and a lofty spirit of patriotism. No free government can stand without virtue in the people. God's people or the people of that nation need to live a virtuous, a righteous life. And it was Ronald Reagan who said, a state is nothing more than a reflection of its citizens. The more decent the citizens, the more decent the state. Or vice versa. You think about our own money. If you were to take out a dollar bill, although most of us uh, don't carry cash on us anymore. Uh, But our money has four words imprinted on it. In God we trust. Our pledge of allegiance that we say, and uh, I think in the 1950s, Dwight Eisenhower added the words, One nation under God. By the way, we are one nation. I know that there's an attempt at this point to divide us, uh, but we are still one nation, and we will remain one nation if we are under God. So I believe any honest historian uh, this morning would attest to the fact that America had a Christian foundation. We were a good nation because we were a godly nation. Oh, we weren't perfect, but there was an emphasis on the things of the Lord. And as a result uh, of that righteousness, as a result of the priority on righteousness, we were exalted. God blessed our nation. We became a superpower. But we can't live in the past, though, can we? We must live in the here and now. So how are we currently doing? And secondly, today I want us to notice not just the foundation of America, but the failure of America. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sadly, uh, I am sad to report to you this morning, and this is not uh, shocking news at all, but we are not the same nation we were 244 years ago. As they say, we've come a long way, baby, but not in a good way. Uh, Yes, we've progressed in technology and have increased in our education, but where are we morally? Because how we are doing in the righteous department is the most important department. According to the Word of God, that's what determines the success of a country, the success of a nation. The Bible doesn't say education exalteth a nation. The Bible doesn't say wealth exalteth a nation or tolerance exalteth a nation or that technology exalteth a nation. And while some of these are good and well, the Bible clearly says righteousness exalteth a nation. So where are we in that area? Well, how about in the uh, arena of protecting life, particularly the unborn? I'm specifically referring to abortion, which, by the way, is a legalized murder of the unborn. In 1973, when Roe v. Wade took place, since then, sadly, 61.6 million babies have been aborted. 
In 2018, there was a Gallup poll taken, and the question was, should Roe versus Wade be overturned? Here are the results of that poll. This is just two short years ago. 64% believes that it should stand and that abortions killing the innocent unborn should continue to be legal. This is the country. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is the same country that was founded on the principles I just got done quoting for you. 64% continues to believe that it should stand and that only 28% believe it should not be or it should be overturned. And, and uh, I don't remember being the one asked on that, so I know that uh, that's not necessarily the case in this room. But as we think of our country as a whole, 64%, almost two-thirds of our population thinks it should be legal to kill the unborn. And just this week, we had our so-called conservative Supreme Court rule to strike down an anti-abortion law in Louisiana, disappointing to be sure. And now in this very country that was founded on the Word of God, currently has a major candidate running for the highest political office in the world who champions the murder of the unborn under the guise of women's rights. Thursday, I read an article stating that Joe Biden believes women have a, quote, constitutional right to abortion under any circumstance. Here's his quote. And it's amazing he came up with this. Um, a cognitive statement. Women's health care rights have been under attack as states across the country have passed extreme laws restricting women's constitutional right to choose under any circumstance. There is no constitutional right to choose to kill an innocent life. Biden said regarding that U.S. Supreme Court uh, ruling, he said the Today, the U.S. Supreme Court reaffirmed that states cannot put into place laws that unduly burden a woman's right to make her own health care decisions with her doctor. Friend, this is not good that one of the major candidates running for political office and not a minor political office, the most important one in really all the world, believes this. How far we have come from where we started Okay, what about our standing when it comes to support of same-sex marriage in the last 20 years? I know this is a controversial topic. I know that I'm, I'm kind of getting into some dicey areas. Friend, the Bible is very clear on both of these topics. The Bible is very clear. And, uh, and, and, and as we talk about this LGBTQ community and, and all of that, I do want to mention this. Last Sunday... Uh, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. I did say how we should treat uh, those in that community. We should treat them with love. But that doesn't mean we need to be okay with the direction of our country in this regard. The Bible's very clear about what he says about all of this. Well, in 20 years, in 20 years, my wife and I just celebrated 20 years of marriage on Wednesday. And in that, in that time we've been married, here's where our country has gone. We went from 50% approval rate of same-sex marriages 
to 72% in 2019. So we're almost three quarters of the country okay with it now. We've lost our ways, folks. This is what we were built upon. This is what we were founded on. Where are we now? We're not in this book, that's for sure. And just last month, our conservative Supreme Court ruled in favor of a law advancing the rights of the LGBTQ, there's more letters to it, plus community in regards to discrimination in the workplace. And while it sounds wonderful, it's just another thing to kind of advance their movement and advance their ideology. I came across an article this week about how Americans see divorce and sex before marriage and gay relations as more morally acceptable than wearing fur. We're not for wearing fur because we don't want to harm an innocent animal. But we're okay with divorce. We're okay with same-sex marriages. We're okay with fornication. The Gallup poll conducted May 1 through verse, or not verse 13, uh, May 1 through the 13th this year, so just a couple months ago, surveyed 1,028 adults among participants. 54% said buying or wearing fur clothing is morally acceptable. But 46% said no way. Okay, what about same-sex marriage? 34% say it's not okay. But 66% said it is okay. So uh, two-thirds of that said that gay marriage is okay. And then we go, we go into physical relationships between unmarried heterosexual adults. That's uh, 70, 72% said that's fine. And that means only 28% said it's not okay. And divorce, 77% said that that's morally acceptable in our day and age. I, I'm just saying how far we've come. I don't think we're really succeeding in the righteousness department. And if that's not enough, this, is, this whole LGBTQ uh, movement has infiltrated churches and, and, and religion. I read another article this past Monday about the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, the largest Lutheran denomination in the United States, that distributed a new guide on LGBTQIA plus issues, arguing that the Bible supports the inclusion of all people in all spheres of the church. Is that not alarming to you? Again, if somebody in that type of a lifestyle comes into our church, I'm going to greet them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to welcome them. But I'm not going to let them come up and sing a special or preach a sermon. I'm not going to put them in front of the teens and say, okay, you be the youth pastor now. But that's what the uh, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America is saying. They can be involved in all spheres of the church. This guide advocates for the full welcome, inclusion, and equity of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and uh, continues on. Lutherans in all aspects of the life of their church, congregations, and community. It trains church members in how to use the 
S-O-G-I-E, sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression spectrum. And ask church members to just avoid using gendered terms when they have doubts about how to welcome a person. No longer are we able to say, how you doing, ma'am? How you doing, sister? How you doing, brother? It's just, how are you doing, binary creature? I mean, how do you do this? The document gives definitions of terms such as genderqueer, pansexual, gender nonconforming, and another one that I can't pronounce, calling to honor the core and authentic part of oneself. This is just mind-blowing that this is going on in a so-called church. That they made a statement about this. Friend, I am here to tell you, we like Israel of old have turned 100 degrees the opposite direction as a country. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. We're there. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And that's the way we are. Hey, as long as you really believe you're right, then you're cool. I've got to respect you because you think you're right. Therefore, I need to tolerate you and respect you. That's the message of America. That's the mantra right now. Uh, Who am I to tell you you're wrong? Well, I may not be able to tell you wrong, but God sure can because God's given us the unchanging Word of God that does not change no matter how much culture does. Tragically, America is like the strange woman in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 17 where the Bible says, She forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. America, we had a tremendous guide when we were young, didn't we? We had men who believed the Word of God and who founded our our country on the principles of the Word of God and gave people freedom, the free choice to choose. What have we taken with that? What have we done with that? Well, we've left that guide and said, you know what? I know that that's what I learned when I was young, but now I'm, I'm a teenager now and I'm going to live it up. Well, how's that working out for us? Just watch the news and find out. We have forsaken the guide of our youth and we have forgotten the covenant of our God. Abraham Lincoln said this, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. And we can kind of see this happening right before our eyes on the news. Lincoln was right. Uh, We've been attacked a couple times. I think of Pearl Harbor. I think of 9-11. Certainly, uh, that's a possibility. But I don't really think that that's what's going to cause our demise. I think it's going to be inward cancer that's going to demise us. See, we are a nation whose God is the individual now. We have become a selfie nation. We are a Burger King country, the have-it-your-way society. We are like Israel of old. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We care more about tolerating everyone except for the Lord, the one who truly gave us our freedom in the first place. He's the one that gets pushed out because, well, that's too narrow-minded. Friend, he's the one who gave us our country and blessed our country. Why are we kicking him out? And yet we have. 
As a result, our nation is on thin ice today. The strength of our country, I, 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 I'm sure you can feel it. I'm sure you can sense it. You're catching the vibe that our country is shaky at best right now. Sadly, we are not the world superpower we were at one time. And I, and I do appreciate our president. I do appreciate what he says. But as I look at the moral direction of our church or our country, while I see some good, bright spots, there are the overwhelming uh, trajectory of our, of our country is not going the right direction. I do still believe, though, that America is the greatest country in the world, but not for long if we continue down this godless road. This road of unrighteousness will not lead to success and power. It will lead to the polar opposite. Again, you might be thinking, wow, I'm really glad I came to church today. This is super positive. I feel so inspired. <laughs> I just love our country. I, I don't mean to rain on our parade, but I also want to be honest this morning about where we're at. I, I really believe the bridge is, is out just ahead, and uh, now is not the time to sugarcoat where we are. It's time to be honest and come to terms with where, where we are in the righteousness department. 157 years ago, on April 30th, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln once again, he gave a proclamation for a national day of fasting. Think about that. That doesn't happen really in churches very much anymore. But here's the President of the United States who issued a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. So it was a day that the whole country was to, like, not go to restaurants and, and not eat and to humble ourselves and to pray. Here's what he said in that proclamation. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. I believe he's correct on that. God has blessed our country in a remarkable way, to be sure. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved the many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Boy, if those words were true in 1863, 157 years ago, how much more true are they today in 2020? We absolutely need to remember God, and we have forgotten Him, and we've purposely kind of given Him the boot. As our children are raised in godless schools. So where do we go from here? We're probably doomed, right, as a country? Can we turn the ship around? Is it too late? Well, I want us to look thirdly this morning at the focus of America. Where should we focus? What should we focus on, or better yet... 
who should we focus on? Now, this message from here on out is not necessarily meant for the White House or for Congress or the Supreme Court, although I do think it would do all of them well to listen to it. (laughs) And I invite all of them to listen to it. No, you see, this message is meant for the citizen because remember, our government represents us. They work for us. We were the ones who put them into office in the first place. Okay, so what are we to do? How can we turn the tide? How can we change course here in our country? Three priorities we should focus on. I think I'm just going to cover the first one this morning and we'll hit the others uh, next week. Three priorities we should focus on. First of all, priority number one is positional righteousness. We need to focus on righteousness because according to Proverbs 14 and verse 34, righteousness exalteth the nation. We want our nation to be made great again. The only way that's going to happen is if America is good again, is if we get back to righteousness. So how do we do this? Priority number one is make sure that we are positionally right with God. Okay, this is for each of us individually this morning. Making sure that you have a right relationship with the Lord yourself. I'm not talking about everybody outside this world or this this room. I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about you this morning. Do you, are you right with God personally? Now here's the long and short of it. All of us. Every single one of us is born a sinner, and as a result, we fall horribly short of His glory. You might be less of a sinner than I am, and that's very likely. But you and, you're still going to fall short of God's glory. It's like if we were to go outside and we were to go look at a big, tall light post... And uh, you say, man, I've been working on my high jump, and I've been working on my high jump, and I've got, some, I've got some hops, man, and I'm wearing the nice shoes, and I'm able to get really high on my, on my vertical. I'm like, great, go ahead. And you might get pretty good. And I go there, and I'm kind of tall, but I'm, I'm not a good jumper. Uh, I'll just be honest with you on that. You might get closer to touching the top of that light post than I am, but both of us are going to woefully come short. And that's the case with all of us when it comes to God's glory. The Bible says, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us do. There's not a one of us that can say, well, I, I almost got there. Almost isn't good enough. Remember? Almost is only works in uh, hand, hand grenades and horseshoes, as they say. It sure doesn't work when it comes to measuring up to the Lord. So all of us are born as sinners, and as a result, we fall horribly short of His glory. And as a result of that, we're lost and undone, and we deserve death and hell because of all of our sin. All of us. I deserve to be in hell, and so do you. All of us do. You might say, well, I'm going to work really hard and earn God's favor. Friend, we don't have enough righteousness on our own to do that. There's not an amount of good things you can do to outweigh the bad. It doesn't work that way. In fact, the Bible says all our righteousness are as filthy rags. So you say, well, I got all my bad stuff over here, and I got all my good stuff over here, and, and I think that 
that God looks at it like a scale. As long as my good things are more than my bad things, and God says, come on in. No! God says our good things are as filthy rags. We need those taken away too. Uh, We need all of our sin taken away. We can't do it on our own. There's not enough right things we can do to erase our sin debt. In order for us to be made right with God positionally, we need a righteousness not our own. And that's why God loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to this world. Jesus lived a perfect and a righteous and a sinless life and was crucified on an old rugged cross just outside of Jerusalem. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and then three days later, praise the Lord, He rose triumphantly over death, hell, and the grave to offer all of us forgiveness of sin. He did that to offer us also His own righteousness and eternal life if we would but repent of our unrighteousness and place our faith and trust in Him alone. So perhaps today, you need to be made right with God positionally. And this, my friend, is priority numero uno. Is making sure that you are a believer, making sure that you are part of His family. If you miss this, the rest really is meaningless. Really, the Bible says this, you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul, but what does it profit you? It doesn't profit at all. Making sure you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the first priority, and that's what I want to encourage you to focus on this week, is making sure that you have a relationship with the Lord, and you had a time in your life where you've been born again, where you placed your faith in Christ, where you uh, believed on Him alone for your salvation. If you've never done that, please, today, that's priority number one for you. And I want to encourage you to come back next week as we uh, talk to believers, those of us who are believers, and what can we do in our focus for our country. Uh, Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I love you today, and I do love this land that you have allowed us to live in.